All right. Um, so I guess, uh, okay. I'll start. I guess is same way I usually do. Today is um, uh, July twenty second, twenty twenty three. Um, approximately six p.m. Uh, and these are my general thoughts on. Um, the current, as of today, obviously, sort of, or probably as of yesterday, because I haven't looked at the news today, and nothing's really popping against the radar. Um, uh, my, um, the current geopolitical climate and alliances, and the best way to do that is through a map. I believe maps are like cracked, man, I just could stare at them all day long. Um, anyway. So, I'm sorry, I'm coming off, off a nap and I'm just not even you know, hungry too. I'm about to go to Subway. So, yay. Anyway. Uh, um, I'm doing this slightly a bit differently because um, I wanted to show a visual, obviously, because the map is a visual, but not show me face at the same time. I am just a regular person, and you don't even know my face, and I don't want you to know mine. So, yeah. Um. So, um. If you are listening to the podcast version of this episode, um, and wish to see this map, and wish to me explain it because that's why I'll be walking through it and zooming in and all that kind of thing, you can go look at it on my YouTube channel. It's under the same same name. Um, yeah. So I think I should start um, by explaining the groups um, that I've kind of lumped everybody into. Um, I made an effort when I first put this together to find every single country on the map. Because whether they want to admit it or not, nobody is totally neutral on everything when conflicts happen. Um, they might want to remain uninvolved, but they are in no way neutral. Um, even though that's one of the categories I have on here is somewhat neutral. Um, but I've kind of laid out some ground rules for that. Um, yeah. Uh, Neutral doesn't not mean not uninvolved, or at least not unaffiliated. Uh, so, um, I forgot how Zoom works. I've used it for the past year. So, what screen is it sharing? Okay, so it's still sharing that one. As long as I okay. Um, so yeah, I'll just read through some of the rules that I've made for myself um, because I update this obviously a lot, or maybe once a week once things happen. Um, I might make it. I don't know if I'll actually change one nation from one group to the other, but I might make a note. Um, 
um, at something. Um, uh, I'm not putting my official key along inside the video visuals for this episode because it just changes too much. Um, and it's a little bit of a mess if I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go through it, obviously. Um, but throughout, well, there's none in NATO and Rimpact. Okay. Well, all right. No, wait, yeah, there's no, okay, none in NATO. Okay. Um, so I'll do that last. Okay, so first, um, there is. Um, let's go ahead and get the get, like the organizations out of the way. Um, NATO and RIMPAC. Um, there, I've kind of lumped those two things together. Um, NATO slash RIMPAC. Um, uh, NATO, obviously, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, um, founded big old back when. Um, has the typical people. Uh, U.S., uh, United Kingdom, Canada, France, you know, people. Um, RIMPAC members, um, a little harder to explain, um, a little bit newer. I think it was found in the 90s. Um, and it's not necessarily an official organization. Um, it's essentially, though, a joint ex military naval exercise, I think it's, to be honest. It's what it's... I don't know if it's strictly naval. Joint military exercise is performed every think, couple of years. Maybe it's every year. Maybe every year. Maybe every couple of years. Every so often. I don't know how long it is. But um, by nations in the um, in uh, in the Pacific Rim. And Indian Ocean, Indian Indian Ocean. Um, sure I'm something wrong. I'm having so much. Oh my god, I made a mistake on my key. Okay, so they held over two years, except for 2022, obviously. Um, hosted by the U.S. Navy's um, Indo-Pacific Command Marine Corps. Okay, so it's basically naval and amphibious um, um, exercises. That kind of thing. Um, and I've also, I've made additions and subtractions from, um, maybe, well, mostly just subtractions to pay based on, oil, on, um, activity, but, um, from the RIMPAC members, um, that are officially listed, 
and officially and our official participants. Um, oh, wait, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> uh, I was confused about my own. Why is it like this? Strange. Promise me, I am more adept at this. I just don't know why I chose to do that, and it threw me off because I'm I haven't had any caffeine today, so there's probably one reason why. Um, okay, now that it's less confusing, yeah, obviously, Rimpex smaller. I made some subtractions from it because some participants don't participate enough or an official, like if a global conflict were to happen and this organization were to like, you know, form up into an actual treaty organization that, you know, would become allies, then yeah, they aren't, I'd kind of discluded them or kind of people that were on the fence and could, because that makes up their whole different category. Um, RIMPAC, so it would be easier for me to just go through them because there's not a lot more. And also excluded ones that aren't also in NATO. Um, Japan, obviously. That's Japan, South Korea, Indonesia, Australia, New Zealand. Those are the big ones. Um, and then there's some kind of minor ones, but there are participants enough that they'll be um, they will they will be able to uh, you know do what I just said. Um, Peru, Chile, Colombia, and Thailand. And then, I didn't really have a name for this, but they are obvious allies with different levels of participation. Um, I call them the Red Coalition. Um, if you take a look at their all their flags, it wouldn't take you long to understand why. <laughs> um, let me just check and see if that's actually right. Because I know I might get put on. Okay, yep. Get put on a watch list for looking this stuff up. But, okay, yeah. If you looked at their flags, you you understand why I would call them. Um, mainly, obviously, centering around Russia and China. Um, throw Iran, North Korea, and Syria, Syria into that mix, and then you have the Red Coalition. That's five. Compared to the, um, I'm not going to break this down like by you know numbers and everything. Um, that is obviously a big player disadvantage. However, um, in favor of RIMPAC and NATO. However, there is things that make up for that, like China's economy, even though it's that's starting to go downhill, Russia, whatever. Um, North Korea's isolation obviously sucks. Um, Iran, nobody really knows. <laughs> um, I guess, it's, you know, they they have enough participation level with each of those nations that they should be included. They just don't have enough presence in the global stage to be. But they're, they're an extremely dominant territorial power in their own, like, you know, regional, well, regional power, I guess you would say. 
not necessarily globally, I don't think. Um, but they do exert regional power in, in a very, um, as long as oil, obviously, continues to play a factor, Iran will dominate that scene, um, or at least access to that scene. Um, yeah, and we've seen some incidents over the past couple of years to verify that. Um, so the next groups, and this is kind of where it gets a little tricky, um, the NATO and RIMPAC periphery and the red periphery. Now, I have some rules for that, um, and I'll dig into who is what and where, and I'll zoom in on the map so you can see where, um, and I'll explain some of my notes that I've made on these certain nations um, on the actual map. Um, and then I have undecided slash neutral. Um, these are nations that obviously... Uh, are powerful enough or have enough resources that are valuable to either side and have shown in their actions that they are willing to go to either side. But at the same time, they have de either one declared their neutrality and enforced it. Um, so a little more on that later. Um, and then just disputed slash insignificant um, that's the final really one, and I'll go into exactly what that means. And that's the biggest category. Um, there's a lot of nations under that. Um, so, yeah. Um, first ground rule, um, uh, all territories, departments, free associations, et cetera, are grouped with their mother country. This mainly applies to Great Britain and France um, because when I went on creating this and had to find um, and just went through all the places that the map software gave me. I had to make sure, like, these places that they named weren't under the government of somewhere else. And, yeah. Um, you had to figure that out first. Um, a note about the Red Coalition. Um, Syria is a special case. Um, and may fall into the peripheral or disputed territory category, depending on the results of the current conflict there. In fact, the sole reason for it being on the Red Coalition is the significant support it is receiving from Russia and Iran, making it their only ally in the Mediterranean. Um, and Syria is barely in the Mediterranean to begin with. Uh, but, you know, they have a coast. So... Um, they're not like a Mediterranean power. Um, and you'll see that a couple of times that I have, and I'll have a rule about it later. Um, if a nation is completely supporting and pumping enough resources into another nation to keeping them alive, keeping their government, you know, upright, they will immediately fall under whatever that category is. Um, that the supporting country is in. Um, so it's like Syria, for instance. They might fall on the periphery. Um, again, like in Syria's case, 
how important is their geography? How important is their resources? How important is their, you know, thing? Um, and, and to a more extensive point, how much support has the country given the struggling country? Um, so on to the next kind of set of rules here. Um, nations deemed undecided neutral are for reasons including, but not limited to, um, declared and actively enforced neutrality or non-polarity. So that's kind of like non, like you know, involvement. Like um, they will openly agree to both meet both sides, um, if sides, you know, whatever. Um, significant connections, agreements, and alliances with nations not in the periphery and on both sides. Um, so good um, example of this is India. Um, they have significant economic connections with Russia, but at the same time, a lot of their economy is based on NATO and RIMPAC stuff and their military too. Um, and especially relations with other NATO RIMPAC nations around them. Um, extremely important geography and economic resources, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, obviously. Um, highly dependent on their undecided slash neutral nation. Um, examples, uh, Yemen and Bangladesh. Yemen, obviously, um, in relation to Saudi Arabia. Bangladesh, I believe, India. I think I'm remembering correctly. If I'm remembering my research correctly, it is Bangladesh and India's relationship. Bangladesh is not really in a great state at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, and they're really the only nation around them that makes sense for that. Um, yeah. That's really the only nation that because they're completely surrounded by India. Um, okay. Moving on. Um, oh, yeah, uh, traditional neutrality, um, but has strong influence on a niche aspect of geopolitics. Examples, uh, Switzerland and uh, the Vatican City. Um, these also include... No, I, I'm not thinking of that. Never mind. Oh, um, important economic resources. Obviously, these include like um, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Egypt, South Africa, um, what else? 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 Taiwan, maybe? No, that's a different category. Um, Brazil, that's a big one. Um, lump coast, where did it, how did I lump Costa Rica in? <laughs> um, Hmm. 
I think I lump them in because they are. I think they're are they a participant in Neo Rimpack? I think they are. No, they are not. Oh. Interesting. Um, um, I probably lump them in because they have significant connections. It's probably the second rule. Um, significant connections and agreements and alliances with nations non proliferating on both sides. It's a lot of them, actually. Um Sorry, my workstation has like a lot of dust on it because I haven't cleaned it in a long time. I haven't used it in a long time. It's the summer, and I don't use mine in the summer that much. But, um, all right, nations that, um, Connections, agreements, and alliances with nations on preferring both sides. This includes Afghanistan um, and Pakistan because of, well, um, I'll get to that. Let's just read the next rule. Um, potential possession, alliance, or influence of nation is highly valuable to both, but is currently undecided slash undetermined or is extremely vulnerable by but otherwise not strongly aligned. Examples, Taiwan, Mongolia, Kazakhstan, Vietnam, and Afghanistan. Um, I think Pakistan fits some more into that too. Maybe. Um, yeah, I would say Pakistan fits more into that category as well. Um Uh, that would also include, like, did I say Vietnam? Yeah, Vietnam. Um, and their neighbor, Laos. Um, they're kind of, you know, meshed together right there, right on the border of China, and they've had a history of doing that. I obviously said Taiwan, um, you know, all those Asian countries in there. Um, Armenia is a weird one. Um, they've played both sides pretty well. They obviously have a difficult history with Russia that kind of complicates things, but they haven't shown a strong um, inclination toward NATO and RIMPAC either because of their relationship with Turkey. Because Turkey obviously is in there. Um, and obviously, as soon as I, um, well, I'll get that later. Um, and also, well, let's, we're off in Africa for a little bit. Um, two other things in um, Europe that I didn't mention, uh, Moldova and Serbia. Um, Moldova is, is bordering on the insignificant, but they're kind of in the in the middle of everything. Um, and um, so I didn't really want to put them... Um, in that... Like, I didn't want to put them into the pink or into the, the, the light lavender section of my map because they're, I mean, they're obviously like dead last in a lot of things globally, but, and especially in Europe. 
Um, but uh, yeah, um, Serbia, um, they are absolutely surrounded by um, NATO countries. They're completely landlocked by an almost almost landlocked by NATO countries, um, except with Bosnia and Kosovo, which Kosovo is a little bit of a basket case anyway. Um, but in the past, they have shown strong um, inclinations toward Russia, uh, mainly ethnically. So um, there's an ethnic connection, connection there. Historically, they've um, helped. Russia went to war and war won over Serbia. That's just, you know, the way it works um, because of that reason. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. I think I can move on. Oh, um, let's discuss this real quick. Wait, have I gotten to that point yet? No. All right. Um, Senegal. Again, has played both sides brilliantly, says state neutral. Um, Liberia, same way, and Togo. Um, but they could become, they possess enough economic, geopolitical, you know, bojo powers. Not saying that because they're African, just finding a way to describe it. Um, influence in their region to, um, Exert to uh, to become powerful allies to anybody, and they know they have those cards, um, and they've been playing them, you know, pretty well. Um, other ones in Africa, um, so you got like places like Angola, um, that and um, they've really backed off in the past you know, 30 years since their communist revolution. I think they're still under a communist government, actually. I'm not mistaken. Um, but they've at, done, like, at the same time, like, I don't know, playing those sides to an extent as the other ones have, though. Um, but um, the DR Congo which is another one on this thing. It they, Angola has the ability to become a major power and player in their region because um, Democratic Republic of the Congo is a mess. And that's, but they have very valuable resources within this country, within their country. It's, they're just really hard to access them. Um, but if they were to become accessible, that place would become a very sought after um place and they kind of fall into that last category um um actually no kind of both um the last category the potential possession um and the um or I'm sorry the third one um extremely important geography to account economic resources um on the east coast of Africa, um, kind of the same story as the west coast, um, but a little farther inland. Um, you got Tanzania, um, Tanzania, as um, alternatively pronounced. Um, major player in the region, plays both sides, 
significant connections historically back to, you know, back to their past. Um, Uganda is more related to Tanzania in that way and less Rwanda. Um, Rwanda is an up and coming around the scene in East Africa, especially and in Africa as a whole. Um, they're becoming an economic um, powerhouse in this southeast central Africa where there really is no development in that sector of things. Like um, talking about um, uh, transportation, uh, economic markets that connect globally, um, tourism, um, that kind of thing. Um, similar to Ethiopia, um, but Rwanda has done a better job of non-polarity or non or has enforced more of a neutrality perspective kind of enforcing their own brand not really aligning specifically with anybody um just moving on i think that's really it um there's one nation in the south pacific vanuatu under the the deep purple um, I limped them in there due to um, obviously global climate things have their effect, but um, that's like why they're not like you know global politic climates. Um, they have become a good place for transportation um, in the past. They developed some of that. Um. Uh, at the same time, they've kind of done like what Rwanda has, but to a lesser extent. Um, it's the best way I can put it. Um. So now I'm going to explain the rules. I'm not going to go quite into um as much stuff as I did with this next category. Um, nations deemed disputed slash insignificant are for reasons including but not limited to current civil war or rec little recognition from international community. That's a big one. Um, not enough impact on global stage, not important enough geography can easily be bypassed. Um, declare neutrality, non-alignment or non-polarity, but not enforced from both sides, yet still not important enough or impact enough by itself. Um, so, like, I oh, can't think of an example off the top of my head, but um, they don't enforce their neutrality, which would technically put them in the periphery of either side, right? Um, but they don't have enough resources or mojo or geography to make an impact on the rest of either the periphery or the main body, right? Um, and then just some minor notes. Um, there is an organization. They don't really have much effect anymore, to be honest. But it's called the Non-Alignment non Movement. Um, it's not really strictly followed anymore. Some more than others, mostly due to practicality in the age of the movement. It started in the 1960s and 70s as a response to kind of developing a third. I don't want to say it was the third world. 
but it kind of was. It was the third world with a label on it. There's a better label on it. It was mm, people that didn't want to be aligned with back then. Didn't want to be aligned with either the Soviet bloc or NATO and them people, but still wanted a significant voice in the United Nations. Um. So yeah, vast majority of the members joined in the nineteen sixties and seventies. a lot of them have gone under significant regime changes since then. Um, members, military and economic, econ- members, military and economic. Sorry, I got mucus. Anyway, uh, members, military, and economy inadequate for true non-alignment. Um, so that basically means that they don't have a strong enough military or our economy to be non-aligned. It's just not practical um, for them anymore. Um, membership is generally viewed as a global political stunt slash maneuver or outright deception. <gasps> um, yeah. So I kind of want to go over some of these nations. Especially ones that are currently in a um, mix-up, shake-up. Anyway, um, Afghanistan. Um, all of these are pretty much under... Or do I have any other periphery stuff? Okay, well, the only other one, you know, that um, is in the periphery and has some stuff, um, Iraq. Potentially severe political slash bureaucratic dysfunction. I don't see when this could end. They got a shit show over there. There's no one who was around it. Um, okay, now, now on to the nations in the undecided slash neutral place and on down. Um, Afghanistan. Uh, current insurg- insurgency, obviously. It's been, what, two years now, I think it has? Yeah, two years. Um, since Biden pulled out of Afghanistan. Yeah, it's been two years. I know. Uh, current insurgency slash regime, recent regime change. I'm still dealing with that. Um, there is a current insurgency in Pakistan, but it's under an hiatus. Hiatus. Um, COVID threw a lot of this stuff into whack. Um, whether it was exactly that or was it, you know, other stuff. Um. Uh, okay, moving on to disputed and significant nations that are currently in conflict um, within, obviously. Um, these aren't nations that are war with each other because there's only really two at the moment. Um, actually, we all know who that are. Um, Burkina Faso, small nation in Africa. Are they small? How small are they? Yeah, small inclination in Africa unlocked. Yeah. Um uh Central African Republic, current civil war, Cameroon, current civil war, Ecuador, current political crisis. I think I might want to update myself on that, see when that's turned out. Um but they got demoted from RIMPAC preferred because of that. Um Haiti, current social political crisis. I don't see an end result in sight for them at all. Anyway, good. Somebody's going to have to, you know, it's going to take for them to recover from everything they've been through. It's going to take a total takeover 
by another nation like the US or like the UK to completely support their economy and government in the foreseeable future. That's what it'll take. Obviously, nobody wants that. Um, Haiti doesn't want that, but it, <laughs> the world doesn't want that, but, you know, well, probably some do, but, you know. And again, they don't really hold a valuable territory or resource. It's valuable enough for someone to go after them with that. Um, I mean, the U.S. did it in the early 1900s, but, you know, we were a little cracked on cocaine back then, so I don't know what they were doing. Um, when the Marines invaded Haiti, that was strange. Um <laughs> Didn't really amount to anything. Um, oh, and moving on. Um, Libya, current civil war. Um, Mali, current civil war under ceasefire slash hiatus. Um, uh, Mozambique, current insurgency slash hiatus. Myanmar, current civil war. Um, Somalia, current civil war. Sudan, current civil war. Very current civil war. Um, that's two months or so. Um, what, three months. Never how long it's been. Um, but a couple of these, especially in Africa, um, actually almost exclusively in Africa, the ones under a ceasefire slash hiatus are reeling from the collapse of the Islamic State organization. Because um, that's who is really driving these, you know, um, insurgencies. But that collapsed um, in... Around the time that COVID hit, I don't think they really relate to each other that much, though. Um, recently took a course all about that. Um, and believe it or not, Russia had a big, big role in making that happen because um, of their relationship to Syria um, and the Wagner Group. And I'll get into that a little bit um, when we get to the Red Periphery explaining who and what is in the red periphery because I think that's should be mentioned um uh okay so final segment I don't think I'm gonna really cover the, the native impact periphery I think that's kind of self-explanatory yeah oh something else I should mention um, that is somewhat important. Um, most of the undisputed and significant nations are island nations or in the interior of Africa. And like, you know, Sahara, not sub-Saharan Africa. They've kind of got some more players. But Saharan Africa, not places like Mali, Niger, and Chad, and Sudan, question mark. Um, but there's like Bosnia and Kosovo. Um but I did put under there um, places like Palestine. So they're obvious. You know, and, but I thought that was explanatory, but yeah. Oh, carry body. Um, I think they're similar to the way I explained um, Vanuatu. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, 
Oh, oh yeah. Um, red periphery. Who and what and where? Alphabetic oh, order. Starting with Belarus. Um, yeah. They're puppets there for Russia. There's no two ways around it. Um, pretty much. I'll let Haas explain it. Um, everybody knows it. They're not, I mean, and they're doing some pretty, you know, half-assed attempts to hide it. Um, but again, they're not, they don't have a big enough thing to become one of the, the big members of the Red Coalition. They may, they may act along with them, but they're kind of, they're too much under the thumb and not have enough contribution. They're mainly just a buffer between them and um, they're the northern half of that buffer that Ukraine is. That's why Russia hasn't invaded Belarus. I mean, they have sort of. They've stationed troops there. You get my point. Um, next. And you'll see that a lot of these red per periphery groups, they have similar government styles to the Red Coalition. So authoritarian governments. Um, a lot of them do. So, Cambodian? Yeah. Um, mainly because, and there's also this other one too, um, the thing about the Red Coalition, or Red Periphery, sorry, um, is that they don't necessarily, um, they favor the Red Coalition over NATO. Maybe not outright, but through their actions they have. Um, they have maybe not have like outright said, oh, we hate NATO and all these other things. And that's why they probably haven't. And these nations, a lot of sometimes include people that haven't outrightly condemned the um, invasion of Ukraine um, because places like China and Russia are propping up their economies. Um, for instance, Cambodia, um, North Korea. Well, North Korea is, you know, that place. Um, Nepal, that's a big one too. Um, that kind of falls under that category. Um, let's see else. Um, South Pacific and Indian Ocean places, places like um, Nauru, I think I'm going to right. Nauru, Tonga, South Pacific Island Nation, um, the Maldives, just south of India, um, and Oman. Um, yeah. Oh, and Solomon Islands. Um, those are the kind of nations that fall into that category um, of places. Um, oh, and then obviously what's left in Asia is the stands. Um, most of the stands, excluding Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Kazakhstan, are in the red periphery. Um, these, so these are in Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and Kyrgyzstan. Um, mainly because of their um, their inconvenient location um, to Russia, China, Iran, and Russia, they have significant geopolitical, socioeconomic ties to those nations. Um, they depend heavily on those things. Um, there's a lot of oil over there. To be honest, actually, I think if I'm by myself, um, and they have distanced themselves. 
Promenado and Rimpack. Um, and they haven't outright declared things. Anybody really does, though. Just never really cared about outright declaring something. And then moving on, there's only two um, that I can remember and I can see. Yeah, there's only two in the Americas. Um, and that is Cuba and Venezuela. Um, Cuba and Venezuela aren't um, major players by themselves. But they are in convenient geography within NATO Marine Pack. Of course, obviously Cuba, that's been a big thing in history. Um, they're Alignment with the Red Coalition has been in the past problematic. Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, Venezuela to a lesser extent. A lot of these countries are on the decline, and Venezuela is borderline. I mean, really borderline because of their current internal climate. Um, but at the same time, they have an authoritarian regime that does not like the United States. And they've been kind of explicit about that. Um, so yeah. That's really it. I think it took like 45 minutes. So. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Nothing is popping out to me that I should continue to discuss. That's that.